Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. My Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we didn't deserve it, but you did it anyway. Father, open our ears we can hear. Open our hearts that we can attend unto the things which are spoken like you did for Lydia. Open our eyes that we can see. Father, thank you for a spirit of grace over this meeting. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin a little different. We're going to begin in Psalm 18. Last week we talked about being in the fire. And we're going to kind of continue on that line this week about how in that fire, how all the chaff rises to the top. And God puts us there on purpose. I remember several years ago, God put me in a situation that I thought was worse than absurd. I thought, this is crazy. Not only is it crazy, it's insane. And what am I doing here? I told God, I must have made a mistake somewhere. I must have missed you because I'm in a place I don't think I'm supposed to be. And you know what God showed me? Turned with me to Psalm 18. I'm reading along my Psalms, praying them, and I get to this verse. I'm full of the Spirit and I'm upset. And my mouth opens up and it says, As for God, His way is perfect. And the head drops. Darn. God told me right there, you're exactly where I wanted you. You are doing exactly what I want you to do. We have you here to get you saved. Saved. Why did Jesus come? He came to save us. And you know that saved isn't just a one-time experience. The Father said, I sent Jesus not to condemn you, but to save you. Not just to get you born again. Not just to get you where you are prosperous. Not just to get you healed. He wants to save you. Save you to the uttermost. That means make your insides perfect. Let's take a look at that. I want us to go to Galatians 5. What is God after in the fire? What is God after in us? Galatians 5. Verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would like to do, that you know you should do. In Romans, it says that the flesh is enmity, God's enemy. God has to deal with our flesh. He's got to get the flesh out so he can get the spirit in. You have a vessel. My body standing here is my vessel. And the more of Kathy's flesh I can get out of this body, the more Jesus and the Holy Ghost we can pour in. But if you're full of the flesh, there's no room for the Holy Ghost and there's no room for Jesus. 
God has to deal with the flesh. And you know what? He does it because he loves us. And it is not fun. It says right here, they are contrary to each other. Have you ever been in that war? Half of you wants to do the things of God, and half of you wants to tell God where to go. Away from me. It's a war, and it's not a fun war. But God wants to get our flesh dealt with. And let's read on. He said, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. So God comes in. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh. You say, what's the flesh? Well, the flesh does this. This is what the flesh comes up with. The works of the flesh are manifest. They come to the surface. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication. You know, we say adultery. I've never committed adultery. Jesus said that if you even look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. God save us all. Now, adultery, fornication, uncleanness lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. That's a feeling. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. There's another feeling. Strife. Oh, there's another feeling. Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and of such like, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, they that do such things shall not inherit shall not shall not inherit the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is God's power now before I go on I want to make this clear you can be born again and you can go to heaven when that trumpet blows and Jesus comes to get us if you are born again you will go meet Jesus in the air it promises that in Daniel if your name is written in the book of life you're out of here with Jesus but there is another level. Romans talks to us about the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. There are three levels available to you. Three levels. You can be born again and know that you're going to be with Jesus when he comes, but there's another level. There is the perfect will of God. The perfect, perfect will of God. And it is available to the one that has the courage that wants it. You know, there are some that have tried and they fail. They cannot get there. It says that. Jesus says. But it's available. And by the grace of God, that's where I'm headed. Do you want the pearl of great price? Oh, it's a price. You go through the fire more than once. But the faith is tried. And the faith starts to work. And you go in the fire again. Now, what is happening while you're in the fire? Oh, you think that's the only thing you got to deal with? Ha ha. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 8. God is going to deal with the flesh. He's got to get the flesh out of there so we can walk in the spirit. And he has a wonderful customized way of dealing with our flesh. In Deuteronomy 8, even though it's the old covenant, we have the new covenant. But God doesn't change. He's the same. God does not change. He was not one way in the Old Testament and one way in the New Testament. He has no shadow of turning. God is God. 
And he will deal with man the same way in the New Testament as he will in the Old. The only thing that has changed is the covenant. And you will see right here, if you are walking with God, and God is having you walk this perfect path, this customized path, you will see your life right in these scriptures. Verse 1, all the commandments which I command you this day, you shall observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Moses speaking, and that thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. What did we talk about last week? Just like Jesus, we got to go through the wilderness. If we are going to walk with God, if we're going to get the kingdom, we're going to have to go through the wilderness. It says that we cannot be better than our master. And if our master went into the wilderness, the spirit drove him there. We're going to have to go through the wilderness too. And Moses is talking here about the Hebrews' children that were in their wilderness. These 40 years in the wilderness. And by the mercy of God, it won't take us 40 years. To humble thee, oh my. Why did he put us in the wilderness? To humble thee. And to prove thee. To know what was in thine heart. Whether thou would keep his commandments or not. He knows your heart. He lets you see your heart. It is not pretty. And if it wasn't for the gospel, there would be no hope for any of us. And he's let me see my heart, still letting me see my heart, and to see if I would keep his commandments or not. He will put you in a place where you are tested. Are you going to stay with God or are you going to run? And with that, turn with me to Hebrews 12. Beginning in verse 5. This is the writer of Hebrews speaking. And he says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, the correction of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Did you know that God will rebuke? He will chasten you. Chastening does not mean patting you on the head. I had a dad. He loves me and I love him. And there are only a couple times in my lifetime that he had to paddle me. My mother made up for it. But my dad only did it a couple times. You know what? I thank him for it. He did it for my good. Well, guess what? We got a better father. A heavenly father. It says, my son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Look at this next verse, and don't forget it. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. When you see that, and when God starts chastening you, correcting you, rebuking you, it is a comfort I have had some difficult chastening days where God spoke to me straight on. And you know what? I hold those days as precious as the days that he did bless me because there's where I changed. All right? If you endure chastening, endure it. God dealeth with you as with sons. What son is he whom the father chasteneth not? 
Now look at this. But if you be without chastisement, well, of all our partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. What is a bastard? It is an illegitimate child, no heavenly father. I have seen many where God begins the correction process and in their pride they have walked away and said this is not God and they miss the chance to walk with God. If you will not take chastening right here it says then you are a bastard. You are an illegitimate child. You don't have a heavenly father. We don't want to be that way. We want to take it. Ladies, when this happens, we got to gird up our loins and we got to receive it. And we got to receive it in thankfulness. In thankfulness, we rejoice. It says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection, not in our pride, but we humble ourselves to be in subjection to God unto the Father of spirits and live. And live. Correction will bring life. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit. Why does he do it? For our profit. That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. You go through this process more than once. And it seems like each step is deeper and deeper. Because God is dealing deeper in the spirit, deeper in our hearts. I remember when I came to Plano, at one point, I was getting some pretty stiff correction. And Dole looked at me one day and he said, Kathy, do you know what the definition of grievous is? Because I was muttering about the correction and I had to stop and consider what the definition of grievous is. It's grievous. It hurts. It is worth it. Oh, if I could show you how it is worth it to let God deal with our hearts. It is worth it. And I want to tell you now, if you know someone that is going through correction, know this. They're going through correction because God loves them. They're going through correction because God loves them. We leave them alone. And we let God do what God knows what to do. And we have all the mercy on them we can have because we're next. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know what righteousness is? Doing the things of God unto them which are exercised thereby. Therefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which be lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed." What do we do when we're going through correction? We don't let go of that gospel. The gospel is what brought us there. We have been born again. We have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. We get sent into the wilderness. And what do we learn when we're in the wilderness? We get the gospel. And we hang on to that gospel. 
when God starts showing you your heart, you will come to the point where you know, I got to get this under the blood as fast as I can. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. Well, I'm going to give a short testimony. When I was working in a grocery store, I was hired as a sign maker. It was a miracle. I worked there for, I think, a couple years. And then one day, I'm doing some signage. The manager of the grocery store comes and gets me, and he says, Kathy, I want you to go out on the parking lot with me. Now, I'm sharing this kind of correction because this one's an easy one to understand. There are other corrections that I've gone through that are much deeper that you wouldn't understand. It's something in my own heart, and I wouldn't make it public anyway. You know what the mercy of God is? If we humble ourselves and walk as humbly as we can, a lot of our correction will be behind closed doors. I would much rather that than in front of the whole world. I've had both. I like the closed doors. I'm working in this grocery store. The manager comes. He says, Kathy, I'd like you to walk out with me on the parking lot. I said, sure. I go out on the parking lot. We get about halfway back there. I'm thinking, what kind of signs are they going to need on the parking lot? He turns around to me and he goes, Kathy, I just received a memo from the corporate office. Now, this grocery store was one of 600 in the United States. 600 grocery stores. And he said, the memo says those that have the job as a sign maker are terminated immediately. I was the sign maker in the store. My job was immediately terminated. I'm without a job in five seconds time. I looked at him and he said, I'm sorry. 600 people lost their job that day. Why? Because God's going to deal with the flesh of this one. You know what? God will go to what we think is extreme. But he is God. And he has a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And you know what? Joshua needed help. And he stopped the world from turning for 12 hours. So Joshua had a good light. He can do what he needs to do to get us corrected. So I'm without a job. And the manager looked at me and he said, now, Kathy, he said, if you want to stay at the grocery store, you can become a checker and I'll give you your same pay, but you can't become a checker for another, I think it was three weeks. He said, you're going to have to be a bagger first, a bagger. I'm a 35 year old with two children and I'm going to be a bagger for three weeks. You know what God was doing? He was dealing with my pride. You're not going to go as a checker. You're going to start as a bagger. On that parking lot, I had a decision to make. I could have walked away. I could have gotten another job. I'd have had no problem getting another job. The sign maker skills, I could have gone to any grocery store. But you know what my heart was telling me? Don't you do it. You stay right here. So I looked at the manager and I said, I'll be a bagger. I mean, I had to do that for a couple weeks. Then I got excited. Well, thank God I don't have to be a bagger anymore. I can be a checker. I showed that story last week, working for an 18-year-old customer service manager who didn't like me. More flesh dealt with. You're going to run, Kathy? I'm making the same pay. So I can't run. You know why? Same pay. If I'd have run, it'd have been my pride. It'd have been my pride. I became a checker. Now, God's not done yet with the heart. He's not. He is dealing with my flesh. He is dealing with my pride. The next thing I find out, my husband's job's changed. So all the hours that I had as a checker are now out the window. I can't work those hours. Why? We had two children at home. So we had to take turns working. 
He was a restaurant manager. He worked for 16 hours a day. I had to work around that. The exact same time that his job changes, they have an opening for a third shift weekend clerk. Third shift. That means from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. I have to work. We've got children to feed. My husband's job did not cover it. What I made at work was our groceries for the week. I couldn't quit. And thank God, third shift, you make a little more. Do you know I had to take that job? I thought, okay, I'll work third shift. No problem. No problem. Until I started working it. I hated it. There are very few things I really hate. I hated this job. I hated it so bad that I would get in the car to go because I had to get the kids ready for bed, all their baths, their PJs, put them to bed, and then go to work. And then when I got off at 7, I could come home and I could have one, maybe two hours of sleep, and then I had to wake up and take care of the kids because now the husband is gone. And I have to take care of the kids until 11 o'clock the next night when I go back to work. Wore me out. Why would God do that to me? He was dealing with my flesh. Are you going to run, Kathy, or are you going to gird up your loins and take it? I had no choice. It got to be where I would put the kids to bed, and I would get to work. I'd get in the car, and I'd cry all the way there. I hated that job. I hated that job. I was the only checker in the front of a very large grocery store. I had people that stocked the shelves. They wouldn't even talk to me. And if somebody came in and stole a beer, guess who had to chase them? Not the stock boys. They didn't care. I had to. I had to call the police. I had to go back and break up the fight in the whipped cream aisle. <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. You know what comes to the grocery store at three o'clock in the morning? They come out of the woodwork. I mean, we got strange coming at 3 o'clock in the morning. Once I got there and got working, I was all right. But it was the getting there and coming home and working that I hated. I hated. The wonderful thing, and it talks about this in Deuteronomy. We had no money at our house. That's why I was working. We had no money. This was our grocery money. Do you know that every night when I would clean out the registers, we had to pick it up and dust underneath, and there was always enough change to buy me a drink and something to eat. There was always enough change under that register or between the, you know, the little cracks and the things, enough money for me to buy something to drink and something to eat. People didn't realize when they dropped those quarters to where they couldn't reach them, that was my dinner that night. God took care of me in the correction. And one day I finally told him, I said, I hate this job. And he said, I want you to give me thanks for it. I want you to give me thanks for it. I remember telling him, I can't. And I said, but I know what I can do. I can thank you for the $85.63 that this job makes so I can buy groceries and diapers. I want to thank you for the $85.63 that this job brings so I can buy groceries. I could do that. And then it got to be where I could thank God for the job. What was he doing? He was dealing with my flesh. He was dealing with my heart. I could be thankful. And you know what happened when I got to the point that I could be thankful? 
God said to me, if you will believe me, I will get you off a third shift. You know what my response to God was? It was very godly. I said, watch my dust. Watch my dust. That week, that same week, my husband's job changed again. I couldn't do third shift. I knew that was God. I knew I had graduated to that level, that my heart had been dealt with. I thank God for those days. I thank God they are precious to me. The God that made the stars and this earth and sent Jesus had his hand on me. And it was so funny. After that, I went back to being a checker. I wasn't a checker for more than two weeks. I think it was that same week. And here comes our unit manager again. He said, Kathy, can I talk to you out in the parking lot? I thought, oh, God, what's going to happen to me now? I just got over this one. He walked me out into the parking lot. We get halfway in the parking lot. And he looks at me and he goes, Kathy, I can't believe this. I have never seen this before in my life. He said, I just got a memo from the home office, 600 grocery stores. They are reinstating all the sign makers positions. Do you get that? They are reinstating all the sign maker positions. Why? I had passed the test. Right after that, I went back to being a sign maker. I didn't have to be a grocery clerk. Hey, I have a lot of respect for grocery store clerks. They got to run a computer, folks. They're not what you think they are. They are a computer operator. So I go back to being a sign maker. And within a, two weeks of that, I ended up not only doing the signs for that store, I ended up doing the signs for four stores. I also was the only employee in the whole 600-store franchise that could work at home. We worked it out where I could save my times, and I worked for four different grocery stores from my house. And then not long after that, God gave me my own sign business. I had passed the test. I could walk in some of his holiness. I could walk in some of his righteousness. You know, there have been many harder corrections since then. But every one of them produces a blessing. Every one of them produces holiness, produces righteousness. I have one more verse. Philippians 1, verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is God working with you? He will keep working with you. He will not leave working with you. Be confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. Will keep at it until Jesus comes. What a blessing. Do you want this? Do you want God to have his hand in your life where he fixes you? Then you must be born again. How are we born again? We get the spirit of Jesus in our hearts so he can lead us, so he can guide us, so he can fix us. And if you would like this God and this Jesus in your heart, then say this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Guide me. Fix me. And I ask this. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.